0: title of my message this morning is standing, in, standing on the Promises of God. Standing on the Promises of God. And the way we're going to do this This morning is I'm basically going to start by looking at the rationale. Why is it important to have a message like this, a message of this nature? Why is it important for us to understand how we can effectively stand or even why we should be standing on the promises of God? So I'm going to start by going through a bit of the rationale. Thereafter, we're going to look at what some of these promises are. We know that in the Word of God, they're innumerable, but we're going to look at what some of these promises are. And then um, we're also going to look at, after that, we will look at um, the practice. Yes, we can talk about standing on the promises of God, but how do you actually do it on a day to day basis? And then we will conclude the message. Are you ready? are you expectant? I am expectant because as I preach this morning, I'm not only preaching to you, but I'm also preaching to myself. Encourage my spirit, move my faith to a level, to its next level. Amen. So I'm also expectant. Right. So why is it important for us to have a message like this? What's the rationale for this message? The fact of the matter, you would know as much as I do that today we live in a world with so many belief systems, amen? We live in a world with so many belief systems. We live in a world with so many philosophers. We live in a world with so many religions. And all these things are basically advocating for all kinds of things and lifestyles. We know that. I mean, if you look at the the number of religions that are existing today, and it seems like they are growing in number. I mean, you have religions like atheism, Baha'i, you know, you've got religions like Buddhism, you've got religions like Druze, you've got religions like Gnosticism, Hinduism, Islam, Islam. You've got religions like Rastafarianism. You've got religions like African traditional religions. You've got religions like uh, diaspora religions. You've got religions like um, uh, you know, um, indigenous American religions. There ex- and many more, which we probably even don't know what their names are. But what's actually interesting about all these belief systems and religions is that they are fighting to find a place in the hearts, in the minds, in the lives, in the lifestyles of men and women out there. They are fighting to actually have a place in the hearts of our children and generations to come. It almost feels like that there is this tag of war amongst these religions to actually determine and impact. What should be passed to the next generation? So it actually is a concern to us. The second reason, the second now for this kind of a message is that we live in an era where people are defining and looking for all kinds of centers, for all kinds of centers to govern their lives. A few days ago, about three days ago, I was in a lift in an elevator and typically like you would know because i know you know most of you you know you've you 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 in in and out of lifts and elevators so there were a couple of us in the lift about six or seven people and then whilst we were in there there was a lady who was on the phone and she was talking to someone so obviously when you're in a lift and the doors close and you're talking everybody's going to hear what you're saying. It's not like when we walked into the lift, our primary intent was to eavesdrop on our conversation. That wasn't our intent. So she's talking, and she's standing next to me. Then she begins to say something very interesting to the other person who was on the other side of the phone. Then she says, do you believe in something? And obviously my ears were like, help. Do you believe in something? And then she goes on to, I don't know what the other person said. And then she says, but what I'm trying to say is, you need to find something that is your center. You need to find something that centers your life. And I found that interesting. But for me, it was the reality. And as I walked out of the lift, when I got to my floors, like, you know what? This is actually the world that we're living in, where people are looking for all kinds of things to define their centers, to define things that can govern their lives, to define things that can actually give them, stabilize them and give them guidance. Some of you, you know, maybe when you drive to work, you listen to the radio. A couple of weeks ago, around about midwinter, there was an ad on one of the radio stations, and I, I, couldn't, I can't quite remember, you know, what, what I was trying to advertise, but I remember a sentence in that radio ad, and it said something like, it was a lady, it was a lady voiceover, and then it, 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 it says, Lebohang, have you found your center yet? You know, some of you might recall that, that ad, you know, have you found your center yet? And I'm thinking, this is actually terms like this, vocab like this have become, you know, they now constitute, you know, social lexicons out there. People are thinking and talking about these things. Thirdly, rationale for this message. We live in times when people are looking for solutions, People are looking for meaning, people are looking for peace, people are looking for freedom that will satisfy them or think they will satisfy them um, in terms of their soul, their spirit, and their body. But unfortunately, they might find temporary relief in certain belief systems or in certain things that they're doing. The question is what it is, what is it that they should have in order for them to have a solid standing. My aunt was hospitalized uh, about just over a week ago, and she tells a very interesting story. She was actually in ICU, and in ICU was a lady next to her. This lady was in a coma. Unfortunately, she was in a coma, and... At one, during one of the visiting times, the evening visiting times, the family of this uh, elderly lady brought in a Sangoma. Brought in a Sangoma. And my aunt said, what this Sangoma started doing was, he basically started his, doing his thing, you know, like burning some stuff, I think some form of incense, you know, um, and, and making chants. This is like in, in a hospital, in ICU, over this lady who was in a coma. And as I thought about this story, basically in the lives and in the hearts of that family, this was their idea of resuscitating the life of their beloved one. This was their idea of bringing fullness of health to the to their loved one, that is what they believe in, that is where they draw their power from. And this is the reality of our world today. People are drawing strength, people are drawing hope, people are drawing belief and, 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 and a reason to live from all kinds of things. But what is it that actually stands and what is it that actually builds our, our lives? I found that story um, very interesting indeed. The fourth rationale why we should stand on the promises of God is we live in an age characterized by confusion. I mean, just look. uh, Let's start globally. Let's just look globally. There's just turmoil, political turmoil. You know, I was thinking of, you know, I was thinking of Europe. I was thinking of, I mean, when it comes, just think of like Brexit, political turmoil, Brexit, Mina by now, Angazi. Theresa May, Boris Johnson, now I'm just all angazed. I just don't know. Political turmoil. You look at like the economic turmoil. You know, China, you know, trade wars, China versus the U.S. My phone, this phone you see here, is now due an upgrade but i'm a bit concerned because i don't know what to upgrade to maybe you can give me ideas afterwards because i don't know with the trade wars i don't know if this, if i upgrade to a new phone whether the software the functioning of that software will be guaranteed or somebody will just just because of the trade wars will just make decisions that will affect my new phone there's economic turmoil there's political turmoil, this confusion all over the place. You bring it closer to home in our country, in Africa, in Southern Africa, in South Africa. You look at the xenophobic wars, the uh, xenophobic uh, attacks that we've seen in these last couple of days. You look at gender violence. You look at service delivery issues. You look at the, just the downturn in, 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 in the economy. I think about two, three days ago, the governor of the Reserve Bank, Lesecha Kanyako, basically said, you know, I think we're comfortable with an economic growth of about 0.6 by the end of the year, 0.6% by the end of the year, but that's just the reality, the rand in itself just tumbling, um, tumbling down. So we live in a world characterized by confusion. We're living in a world where there are heresies, falsehood, and unfortunately, some of them even in the body of Christ. And here we are as Christians, here we are as believers in the midst of, this, of all this, and we start asking ourselves, sometimes we're in situations when you look at all this, where you feel like our own faith has begun to be tested, where you feel like our own faith has, become, has begun to actually be swayed, where you feel like our own hope has begun to be tested. And so I've got a couple of questions for you this morning. When you're in that place where there's emotional turmoil in your life, emotional turmoil in your life, to whom do you go? When you've got all those unanswered dreams, I'm sure some of you do, unfulfilled dreams, things you've wanted to be, things you've wanted to become, things you've wanted to, to accomplish by now or by this life stage in your life. What is it that propels you to move forward? When you come to that place, when your dreams are un—you know, you've got unanswered, things that are unanswered, unanswered questions in your life, where do you find strength? When you come to that place where there's pain, maybe pain is the order of your day. What is it that gives you hope? Maybe you're in a place where you're faced with sickness, with infirmity, with disease. Where do you draw your healing from? Maybe you're in that place where there's grief, there's mourning, there's sorrow. What brings you comfort? And what I want us to do now is I just want us to look at our anchor scripture for the message this morning. And it's from 2 Corinthians 1, verse 19, from, we're going to read from verse 19. And this is Paul speaking to the church in Corinth. And it says, for the Son of God, Jesus Christ who was preached among you by us, by me, in other words, by me, Paul, sylvanus that's Silas, and Timothy was not yes and no, but in him was yes. For all the promises of God in him are yes, and in him, amen. So the promises of God in Christ are yes, and in Christ are amen to the glory of God through us. And what I find interesting there is that that word, amen, that term, amen, is actually taken into the Greek from a Hebrew term where it actually meant a very strong affirmation. So in the, in the Hebrew, the Hebrew people understood it as, yeah, I agree. I affirm what you've just said. I support what you just said. This is true. So be it. And the thing about promises is that you and I would know that promises or a promise is as good as the person who's making a promise. That's why sometimes in our day-to-day lives, we get disillusioned. You know, when somebody comes and they want to make you a promise and you're like, yeah, seeing is believing when it comes to that, to that person. You know, you've got friends, you've got colleagues, you've got families. You know that when they make a promise, they are those you know it's going to happen. And then there are those, you know, uh, uh, it's not going to happen. Seeing is going to be believing. So promises are only as good, are only as strong, are only as authentic as the person who's making the promise. And here Paul says to the church in Corinth, the promises of who? Of God in Christ are yes in Christ, are amen in Christ, are true in Christ. And what do we know about God if we're saying that the promises are only as good as the person who makes them? I like what it says in Numbers 23 and 9, God is not a man that he should lie, nor a son of man that he should re- repent. Has he said and will he not do? Or has he spoken and he will not make it good? Will he not make it good? God is not a man we should do that he should lie or a son of man that he should repent. And so if that is the nature of God, then what guarantee? So we have strong guarantee that his promises are bound to take place. His promises are bound to come to fruition. A friend of mine at work once said to me, you know, we're just talking, she's she's a Christian, and then she said to me, you know what, Vim, don't, you must not be discouraged don't put away whatever God has said to you, because God does not have babalas. I've never forgotten that. He says, Vim, don't worry, keep going. God does not have babalas. And what, I've never forgotten that. And every time, you know, you know when somebody has got babalas, huh? You know, maybe some of you, you know, you were once there. And then the next morning, you're like, ooh what happened? Did, did, I, did, what, did I say anything to somebody? What did I tell them? What, you, know, you start like getting confused. You know, what did I say? What promises did I make? You know, what commitments did I make whilst I was in that state? You know? But she was like, no, no, God isn't like that. God does not forget. God is purposeful. God knows what is to come. God has been where we have not been. He's not a man that he should lie, nor a son of man that he should, he should um, repent. I'm encouraged by Isaiah 55. It says from verse 11, For as the rain comes down and the snow from heaven, and do not return there but water the earth, and make it bring forth and bud that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater. So shall my word that goes forth from my mouth, it shall not return to me void, but it shall accomplish what I please and what and it shall prosper in the thing which I sent it. My question to you is what word has God spoken to you? What promises has God given you? Because in the scripture, he's speaking through Isaiah and he's saying when he goes out it's gone out it's not going to return void without me accomplishing what it has been purposed for so when we receive the word of god when we receive the promises of god ours is to believe ours is to stand on that word ours is to war according to that word and that prom- a prophecy so that it can come to fruition for we have already received the assurance that it's not going to return to him void And so what I like about what Paul is saying in this scripture in 2 Corinthians 1 is that there is an unbreakable constancy, an unquestionable sincerity and certainty when it comes to the promises of God that is placed in Christ for you and me or for those who are born again. Jesus is God's decisive yes for those who believe. Jesus is God's personal guarantee that his word will come true. He's God's personal guarantee that the greatest or even the seemingly least of his promises is true. So in other words, put very simply, God, Jesus, when, when God looked at Jesus, when God looks at Jesus, Jesus is actually God's, is, is the embodiment of his faithfulness. He's the embodiment of his faithfulness because in Jesus, God has fulfilled and he continues to fulfill each and every of his word in and through him. Jesus, the embodiment of God's faithfulness. Even though circumstances may tell us otherwise, but the fact of the matter is that Christ Jesus is dependable like no other. And here is the most encouraging thing. If you're born again, accepted Christ by faith, everything, every possible thing that God has given or would give to you has already been credited to your account in Christ Jesus. It's already in that account you're just going to have to go and look for it and believe and stand on it for it has already been signed over to your account in Christ. But as if that is not enough, Paul goes on to say in verse 21, 2 Corinthians 1, 20, 20, um, 1 Now he who establishes you with Christ and has anointed us is God who has sealed us and given us the spirit in our hearts as a guarantee. That's the new King James. But if you read it in the King James, that last uh, part B of verse 22, it actually says, who hath also sealed us and given us the earnest of the spirit in our hearts, the earnest of of the spirit in our hearts. And that term, earnest, that you see there is actually the word arabon. So arabon is actually a legal, a legal term. And it's, it's in Hebrew law, it was understood as something that was given as security but could be reclaimed later. But when you look at that word Arabam, earnest, in the Greek, what it actually means is that it it talks about that which is given or paid to a seller by a buyer prior to when the actual contract begins or prior to when the item that is being bought is actually delivered. So it was almost like in our context today, it would be like a a deposit, maybe a deposit you'd put down for your house. It would be a deposit maybe for your car. But what you're actually doing effectively is you're saying, you know what, the rest of the payment will will come. So that was the earnest, that was the Arabon there that that Paul was talking about. So to his audience in Corinth, it, it wasn't a new term. They perfectly understood him. They knew what he was saying. And so I like the build here where Paul talks about the promises of God in Christ being yes in Christ, being amen, but he also goes on to say, you know what, God has sealed us and given the earnest, in other words, the gift of the Holy Spirit is God's token and pledge for that which is yet to come. So when God gave the Holy Spirit in that context, Paul is saying there's more to come. He's just a token. He's just a pledge to assure you that in him more is to come, Ernest Arabon of God. And so what Paul is saying is that the Holy Spirit guarantees us God's indisputable relationship with, with, with us. So to effectively, as we go on, to effectively stand on the promises of God, we need to know what some of these, you know, what these promises are. And for us, you know, there's no way, there's no way in days or months, you know, we can begin to explore this because they're innumerable in his word. We know that the foundational basis of the promises of God is actually the word of God. But I just want to use a a passage of scripture to illustrate some of these um, promises. And I'm going to go straight to Romans 8 verse 32. Paul's speaking to the people in Rome and he says, He who did not spare his own son, in other words, God who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Isn't that a powerful scripture? He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for all of us, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things, and so basically in that particular uh, verse, Paul is talking about a principle which, in Latin, some of you who are legal, have got legal minds, you would know and would be familiar with this. With this term, it's actually the term "fortiori," and in Latin, it means from the stronger or from the from the from the harder. So here's an example for us to understand that that better. If your neighbour, if you want to go to Kruger National Park, but you've got a sedan, and to your neighbor it he's got a Land Rover, okay, Land Rover or Jeep or I don't know, okay, I suppose Jeep is a Land Rover, you Okay. Excuse my ignorance. Okay, oh, he's got one of those cars that can, you know, and then you 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 speak to your neighbour, your good friends, and he says, no, 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 take your family, you can use my car. And then he, he he lends you his Land Rover for a couple of days to take uh, to with to to Kruger National Park for for your, with your family, and then maybe three weeks later you've got a problem with your kitchen sink, and you need a pliers or a, a, a screwdriver. Then you say to your son, why don't you go next next door and um, you know ask ask um, you know Mr. Glovo, Klamini, okay, <laughs> find him over whoever your neighbor is, okay, you know, and go ask him for a screwdriver and then your son says to your daughter, whoever you're sending says, but how will you know, how will you know that he's willing to lend us his his screwdriver or his pliers? Then you say, come on, man, do you not remember? Three weeks ago, he gave us his Land Rover. So surely what's a pliers? Surely what's a Surely, what's a screwdriver? So Paul uses the very same thinking to these people in Rome, and he says, "He who did not spare his own son. If God, who had one son, did not spare him, but deliver him up for all, deliver him up for all of us and for generations to come, how shall he not? With him also freely gives us all things. How? So he uses the fortiori principle. Isn't this amazing? So, God, so, so Paul is saying, you know what? God has already given his best. God has already given his best. Whatever you need in your life for your ministry. Remember, everybody's called to ministry. Ministry is just not fivefold. Ministry is something you're called to, and everybody is. God, whatever he's called, he's given you need for your ministry, he's given it. Whatever you need for, for him to, for you to glorify him and live, you, you've got it. Whatever you need for life and godliness, you've, you, you've got it. Because he's already given the best, and so how much more will he then not give us all things to sustain us? And so that is a powerful, powerful principle, you know, we must always recall and bring to mind when we think about the promises that God has 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 given us. And what I like, if you've got time, I want to encourage you to just go and read um, Romans 8 uh, uh, more and and just explore it um, more. And here are some of the things that, that it goes on to say. In verse 28, Romans 8, 28, it goes on to say, "...and we know that all things work together for good to those who love God." So in other words, all things work together for our good. In verse 29 of the same chapter, we know that we'll be conformed to the image of his son For because it's already, it already tells us that for whom he foreknew, he's also predestined us to be conformed to the image of his son. That's a great promise. We know that we'll be glorified. Verse 30, moreover, whom he is predestined, these he also called. Whom he called, he also justified. Whom he also justified, he also glorified. No one, verse 31, can successfully be against us. Why not? Then shall we say to, what then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against? Nothing can separate us from the love of Christ. In verse 35, yes, what does it say? It talks about not being separated from the love of Christ. In tribulation and distress and persecution and famine, nakedness and danger and the sword, we are more than conquerors. So I just use that particular scripture to just give us an idea of some of the things that are entitled to us in the word of God and there are other innumerable scriptures you can use to um, look at those and and see what God has, has for us. So now... How do we stand on the promises of God? What are some of the practical ways that we should, we should employ? I'm just going to go through a couple. They are, they're not an exhaustive list. Just a, a, few, a few ways to just help us walk on this journey. Number one, we need to speak the word of God into our circumstances in the face of external reports or voices and reject unbelief. Amen. We need to speak the word of God into our circumstances in the face of any external reports or voices and reject unbelief. Today is the 8th of September. On the 29th of August, something happened in my family. My aunt, my mom's youngest sister, was admitted into hospital. Now she's, um, some of you might remember, she's actually come and she sat with me next day, you know, next to me uh, uh, when she, she once visited. And um, she's, a, she's, a, she's a Dominican nun, you know, and she's been a nun since 1984. So she's been a nun for 35 years. But well, we're very, we're very, we're very, very close to her. She's very dear to us. So she was admitted into hospital on the, she's actually the aunt I referred to earlier, on the 29th of, of August. But what happened was that she seemed to have reacted to a particular drug that her physician had, had prescribed for her. And uh, her, uh, the next report we then received was that her vital organs, for those of you who are medical, you know, I think, in other words, those important things that, you know, determine life or you know, Okay, so they had, you know, her lungs had, had, were malfunctioning, her liver was, had, had been affected, her heart, you know, all those vital organs had, um, um, were deteriorating. And overnight, her condition started to deteriorate to such an extent that they actually had to call into hospital, hospital at night, her treating physician. And uh, she was uh, a decision was made to then move her from a general ward to the ICU. So, and then I received this this, this news. So she stays. She's in Harare, Zimbabwe. I'm in Johannesburg, South Africa. So I received this 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 news. And then what I decided to do, I then just decided to 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 pray for her and start making very 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 strong specific prayers. And this is what I was praying for her. From beginning that night, Lord, I cancel the spirit of death over her life in the name of Jesus. I reject it. I uproot it out of this situation. I nullify every appointment with death. I close the door of death. I speak healing to her. I call forth recovery of those organs. I unlock the door to fullness of healing in Jesus' name. The following morning, I got up, I prayed the same prayer throughout the day. I was praying more or less this kind of prayer, declaring the word of God, declaring hope in the the particular um, situation. Long story story short, she she then got discharged on on the 2nd of September, which was a a Sunday. On the 3rd of September, I managed to call her. And then I had a, a long chat just to find out how she was doing. And then she starts relating this story, which no one else in the family knew about, but it was only her. She says, you know what? Something happened, which I haven't really talked about, but I'd like to talk to you, you know, to just let you know what happened. And then she tells this story. I'm telling you a story now that I did not read in a book you know, or heard on TV somewhere. Then she says, what happened was when I was taken into ICU... I, um, I, she, she, she says she she, she she can't really determine whether was it in a, in a dream or was it in a vision or was it in a, in a trance, but she saw. She said I I saw my lifeless body lying on the on the hospital bed, and but I didn't. You know, I was, I was, it's almost like I was I was watching it from some place above. And what was happening was as I, I looked and I was like, but that's me. That's my body there. But I didn't seem to be in it because I was watching it from someplace else. And then what happened was the name, they were then, says there was a, 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 some, a man ahead of us who was walking with them through a very green felt. And as she was walking through this felt, she says, in my heart, I was reciting Psalm 23. Some of you are like, Yeah, you know, maybe I need to now memorize Psalm twenty three. You know, Just like, I was reciting Psalm, Psalm twenty-three, and there's a guy walking, leading us, walking ahead of us. And then at some stage, this guy turns to them and said, Like I said, you guys have no luggage, eh? I said nobody should bring any luggage with them. And then my aunt responded and said, No, 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 like you said, we don't have any luggage on us. So and then they continued to walk. Then they got to a gate. And, and because I wanted to use this story in my message, I said to my aunt, can you describe to me what that gate looked like? I reminded her on Friday. And this is what she wrote to me in a WhatsApp, just so I can, so, just so that I don't distort the facts. So she describes the gate to me. It was a solid gate. Those ones with iron rods, but we could not see what was inside as the gate was covered in beautiful green plants, creepers, ferns, in between flowering plants. There was a rivulet for washing feet before entering. On top of the gate were golden spikes giving out a gentle, serene light. There was a soothing ambience by the gate. Close, God, these were were her, her words. And then, as they got to to the gate, this guy was leading them ahead, then turns to them again and says, This is very unusual. The gate is closed. The gate is locked. Every time when I escort people, it's seldom closed, you know? But because it's closed, it's locked, we cannot go in, so you guys are gonna have to go back. She says, At that moment, she opened her eyes. Only to discover that she was lying on a hospital bed, and next to the, the you know, um, next to her, there were actually my aunt had gone in to visit her. It was the four thirty to six p.m. visiting time, and my dad was also in in in, 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 the, in the in the hospital room at that stage. And she says, "I woke up and I saw your dad. I woke up and I saw a sister, who had been who had come to, to visit him." And then as she's telling me this story, in my mind, the spirit of the Lord reminded me that you remember what you were praying. Do you remember what you were praying? I could have, at the time, decided, oh, well, let's just wait for you know, the blood test or the doctor's report. But unbeknown to me, what could it be that? Could it be that as I was praying and canceling death and speaking life? her that something was happening in the spirit that some maybe angels, maybe God was at work. I want to encourage you, no matter what voices, no matter what reports you believe or what you receive, I want to encourage you in every circumstance, in every situation to begin speak life into those situations, to begin to speak the word of God because you do not know what change, what impact you're making in the spiritual realm. You do not know what situation you are affecting, you are affecting in the spirit. You do not know what doors you are closing. Maybe there there could be doors of death. Maybe there could be doors of accidents. Maybe there could be doors of poverty. Maybe there could be doors of disillusion. You just don't know. And maybe some of these things, we're going to see God will show us a video of the impact of our prayers when one day when we're in heaven. I want to encourage you in the Lord when it comes, to his promises, it's not about what you're seeing, but it's about what is in your inner man, in your inner spirit, what it is that is in there that you can draw out and begin to call forth into that particular situation. Standing in the promises of God is about speaking his word, speaking faith, speaking hope in the circumstances, in the face of external reports of voices, and rejecting unbelief. Number two, ask God for a resolve pertaining to your situation. Don't hesitate to make specific requests. I'm reminded of Psalm 34. It says, uh, there's a verse, I didn't write the verse yet, but it says, the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous And his ears are are open to their cry. In other versions of the Bible, it says his ears are attentive, verse 15, his ears are attentive to the voice of their their supplication. As I was thinking about this, I was reminded, I remember um, listening to uh, a great preacher, you know, one of the... one of my favorite uh, preachers um, in 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 Africa, he was telling a story that at one stage in his church they had started a Bible school, but and they had uh, begun to enroll uh, uh, students and were really getting ready for this Bible school. But a week before its scheduled date of to, to, uh, start date commencement date, they did not have a venue. All doors were just closing to their anticipated venues and so on. So they did not have a venue. And so a week before, you know, I can imagine what was going on on that ministry team. You know, if, you, if you're like me, you're a blue, you want to know, you know, are we ready? And so they just did not have um, a venue. Then he just decided to actually go and just seek the face of the Lord in, in prayer. In that moment, God showed him uh, a building, uh, a building, uh, in, uh, one of the buildings in, 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 in town, in, in, in their city. And, um, and then he just had this sense that they needed to explore its availability. So he sends one of the guys and says, you know, go find out, is this building available so that we could possibly use it as a venue for, for Bible school. The guy gets to this venue. Outside the venue is a man standing and it turns out he's the owner of that building. And then he says, yeah, you know, we, I'm from this church and we're looking for a Bible school venue. And then the, the man just responded to him and says, if it's a Bible school venue, you guys can have it for free. Making specific requests to God. Number three, shape your day or week in prayer. Speak into the womb of your day or week. And we know that the womb is a place designed to conceive and bring forth. You know, some of you have heard of the, the, the term command, command your day. Decide, shape, begin to speak the words and the hope of God into your day or your week. Like this past couple of weeks, I've just decided, I've just started like on Sundays or Monday morning. I begin to prophesy into my week. I begin to prophesy into my days for that. We need, and what it does is it just helps me stand on those things that God has promised and purposed for me. It brings them alive. So we need to be, as part of standing on the promises of God, we need to shape our day or week in prayer by beginning to speak and prophesy into it. Some of you would know um, uh, a lady called Cindy Trim, an amazing and amazing woman of God. And she really, like, speaks a lot about this, 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 um, this, this concept, this principle. And so she, she has a, a, a lot of prayers, you know, that she just uses in terms of commanding her day. And I'm just going to read out uh, one or two. Father, I declare that my decisions today will change the trajectory of my future and bring it into alignment with your plans for me. Wherever I place my feet, I walk in your authority and expand my territory for your name's sake. Increase my productivity and efficiency and give me the anointing of Solomon to wisely manage my resources today. Isn't that a beautiful prayer? Isn't that a beautiful way of standing on those things God has for us, but in hope and um, shaping Our day. I may. I remember. I I once told this story, but I really think it it is um, it is applicable to this whole notion of commanding your day. There was a guy who went to true story. There was a guy who went to his pastor, you know, counselling issues and so on, and wanted the, the pastor to just pray for him into certain situations, mainly around around his business. You know, it was it was just uh, nose diving. It was he had made quite a bit of money in the first six months of there, and then suddenly just disappeared, and things were not were not going on well. So he goes to 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 his to his pastor. And then he starts confessing certain things that he had been doing, like seeking other powers and sources in order to make money. So he would like consult um, Sangomas and they would give him things supposedly to to make money. And then the pastor, in as part of the deliverance counseling, then says to him, "Well, you know what? I want you to go and take all that juju, all those things that your sangomas were giving you, so that we destroy them and we start afresh on this on this thing." Then he laughs and he says, "Ah, ha! It's impossible, pastor. It, it cannot happen. I'd need truckloads to do that." If you come to my house, you'll be surprised. I'd need truckloads. And then the pastor says, okay, I want you to get what you reckon is the strongest juju, is the strongest item that you were told. This, this, you can disregard the rest. This will make you powerful, will make you make money. Then he goes, comes back to his pastor. Then he brings a bottle. In that bottle is a, is a cobra, a cobra snake. And there's a solution, so it's in a a water, it's some kind of solution. A pastor is shocked, and then he says, really, is that the strongest thing? He says, yes. And then he says, explain to me, what do you do with this solution? And then he says, pastor, when I get into a meeting, a business meeting, or I'm trying to make a a, a deal or trying to get a, a, a tender, before I go into that meeting, in the morning, I take a drink of that solution. I drink the solution and you know what happens when I get into the meeting and I speak, I open my mouth to speak, nobody speaks after me. He says when I speak, there's this fear that is instilled in the room and no one speaks after me. Done deal. They'll give me whatever contract or deal I'm trying to make. And as I thought about this, I was trying to think, how many meetings have you been in, you know? Where you all planned, you got a PowerPoint presentation, you've consulted your, your experts, your consultants, you've been working on this thing for six weeks, you're in a meeting, it's one and a half hours long, and then at about minute, one hour, 27 minutes, somebody just opens their mouth and says, ah, we really doubt your, your expertise in this, I don't think we can do this. And you wonder, where, where did it go wrong? Where did it go on some, when I'm reminded, when I think about this story, you know, I'm like, what power do we have when we understand the principle of shaping our day? You know, our examples or situations might not be as extreme as the one I've given, but do you know even your meetings, the board meetings you attend, your situations on a day-to-day basis, when you get into that habit and that culture of just really shaping the day, speaking into the womb of the day, speaking life, shaping it by the words of God, shaping it by that which you want, do you know what kind of a difference it would make? What kind of a difference it would make in some of the things that we require breakthrough in? Some of you look scared <laughs> Yeah, tomorrow. How many of you have got meetings tomorrow? Yeah, yeah. Don't, don't just walk into meetings and board meetings and excos and opcom sessions as if you're walking into flea markets. We need to be people who've determined beforehand, before we get into, we've shaped it. We've shaped it. When I learned this principle, I started utilizing, you know, I started utilizing it and every meeting, especially when you know they are bossy, domineering people, manipulative people, shape it. Shape it, take the word shape it. Every spirit of intimidation not happening today. Every spirit of intimidation not happening today. Have you been in meetings where there are those people who just want to belittle what you're saying? says, Lord, I'm going there with authority. Broaden my shoulders, governmental authority. And as I go and open my mouth and do my presentation, they're going to say nothing. Number four, maintain hedges of protection around you that will keep you steadfast in the Lord. Maintain hedges of protection around you that will keep you steadfast in the, in the Lord. And the best example to use here is the story of David in 2 Samuel chapter 11. We're not going to go there because we, we're, running, we, we're running out of time. And basically we know that what happened, I'll just read the first verse. It happened in the spring of the year at the time when kings go out to battle that David sent Joab, and his servants with him, and all Israel, and they destroyed the people of Ammon, and besieged Ramah, but David remained at Jerusalem, and just want to encourage you to read um, the, full, the full chapter, and you would know the story then, that's when he, he went into the sin with Bathsheba, and got uh, Bathsheba's um, husband killed, um, etc. But what is important for us to learn in that particular story is that there are hedges of protection that God places around us. And when we keep those hedges of protection intact, it actually helps us to remain steadfast in the Lord. And one of that hedge is the people that God places around you. People that God places around you. In this story, it tells us that the right hand people around jo- around David, people like Joab, you know, and all those close guys, he had actually sent them off to war. Could it be that if they had been around and David was now starting to eye Bathsheba and so on, they probably would have said something and said, Oh, King, you, you now you're getting out of hand. There are people as, that God uses as hedges of protection around you so that they Can help you just remain steadfast in Him. They can be your accountability partners. They can be some, I don't know, maybe close family and friends. You know, they can be people within your, your, your cell group. Are there times in my life when I felt like, you know what, I really can't pray anymore? I'm just so discouraged. I'm really, I don't want to, to be praying. I don't want to be reading the word. Yes. But when I speak to those people that God has placed his hedges around me, you know, sometimes I find that they begin to pray more, you know, over me and over my situation. There's some friends of mine, you know, who they know what I've been going through this year. And so almost on a day-to-day basis or every few days, they'll ask me, I, what's going on with this? What's going on with that? And then I remember thinking the other day that, you know what? They seem to be praying more for this situation or that situation in my life more than I am. Hedges of protection to remind me, continual of God's prom- promises, to rem- help me remain steadfast in the Lord. Another hedge of protection is actually the presence you know in the presence of of god we know that during this time when kings would go to war particularly um david when they would go to war the ark of the lord would also accompany the army mm-hmm. and so david his people jobs the close guys have gone the ark of god which represented the presence of god has gone and my question to you is what is that ark of God in your life that you know those things that help you stay in the presence of God those things that help you remind you of the promises of God is it reading the word is it having spending time with him are you sending those things out of your life? Because the moment you do that, you step, you send out the presence of God, that hedge of protection, the moment it, is, it, it, is, it becomes destroyed, it affects how you view the promises of God. The third um, hedge of protection that God usually places in our life is that of purpose. The Bible tells us that in a time when kings go to war, what did David do? He stepped out of his purpose. He was supposed to be at war in a time when kings go to war. He didn't go. How many times have we stepped out of our purpose? How many times have we stepped out of what God is calling us to do in that particular season or life stage? And then we find that it begins to distort how we see God or how we see that which is placed in our lives. So standing on God's promises enables or involves ensuring that the hedges of protection God places around us, we do not we do not have them destroyed, but we keep them intact. Number five. Craft prayers for the. The rest of the notes, you, you'll see them on the website. I'm just going to do the last one. Craft prayers for varied situations so that you desist from panic-led praying. And I think where we are in our church at this st- in this life stage, we're very um, blessed to have a number of crafted prayers already on our website that I, I know a lot of people are beginning, are beginning to use. But I want to encourage you to be a people will craft different types of prayers for your kids, for your business, for different situations in, in your life. And the great thing about crafting prayers is that you can always take it out and pray it without being, you know, it doesn't affect by your emotions or being panic-led, depending on what the, the situation um, is. So I want to encourage you to um, um, do that. Number seven, remind yourself of God's word over your life. Whatever God has spoken to you through the scriptures, through people around you, whatever you've sensed over your life over your life over the years, whatever it is, the prophecies you may have received, war according to them until they come to fruition. That is one way we practically stand on the word of God. Now, as I conclude... I just want to read my final scripture, final scripture from Hebrews 11, and I'm reading from verse 32. The writer in Hebrew, of Hebrews is, verse 32 says, and what more shall I say, for, the time would fa- for time would fail me to tell of Gideon and Barak, Samson and Jephthah. To tell of David and Samuel and the prophets, who through faith subdued kingdoms, worked righteousness, obtained promises, obtained promises, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the violence of the fire, escaped the edge of the sword, worked out weaknesses. Out of weaknesses were made strong, became valiant in, in battle, turned to flight the armors of the aliens. It's gone. Okay. Thanks. Yeah. And I like you know when I read this when I, when I, when I read this particular uh, this couple of verses from Hebrews 11 besides Hebrews the whole of Hebrews 11 is great but particularly when I read uh, these, these verses from Hebrews 11 I got encouraged Because here, what it's telling us is that through faith, these people, through faith, Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel, they actually subdued kingdoms. What is it in your life that you need to subdue? What are those things that you've been battling with that you need to actually um, subdue? The Bible goes on to say that they obtained promises I am so sure that there are things, there are promises you want to obtain, you want to see come to fruition in, 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 in your life. And it tells us yeah, that through faith they obtained this, they stopped the mouths of lions. What is it that requires to be stopped in your life? What are those things? Could they be behaviors? Could they be addictions? Could they be situations that actually need to be stopped so that the devil cannot continue to harass your life? It goes on to say that they quenched the violence of the fire. What raging storms, raging fires are in your life that you know unless you deal with them, your life can actually turn downwards or go south. we further told that they escaped the edge of the sword. Out of weakness were made strong. They became valiant in battle, turned to flights the armies of the aliens. The one thing I want to leave with us this morning, and even I want to use to encourage myself, is that there are certain things, there are certain promises, you know, that God wants us to have, wants us to walk in, that are going to determine levels of faith that are more than we have now. That are going to call, to require us to call and come before God and say, you know what Lord, yes I believe in you, yes I trust in your word, yes I have hope in you, but I want you to begin a work in my spirit, where you take my faith to its next level, where I begin to be that person that trusts you for those things that even if I were told I would not believe. I want to encourage us to be that pep- those type of people, just like it says of this Gideon, Barak, Samson, Gifters, David, and, um, and, um, and, yeah. Samson in the in the word of God. I want to encourage you as part of your prayers as you go forth this afternoon, your next quiet time. Say to the Lord, you know what? Shake my level of faith. Strengthen it. Deepen those roots so that I can believe you. I can begin to trust you for that which looks impossible. Amen. Let's rise to our feet so we pray. I just want us to pray. Let's pray. Father God, we pray, we thank you that you are the God who desires us, Lord, to embrace the fullness of the promises that you have given us, Lord. Father, I pray this morning that you would reveal to each person here. You would show them Lord that which is in their lives that is hindering them from embracing or walking in the fullness of the promises of God for our lives. Father right now in agreement we take authority over every agenda of the devil over our lives Lord. Every stolen promise we recapture it in the name of Jesus. Every voice of discouragement ah we reject it we uproot it lord we refuse it in our lives lord father every blockage every mountain that is standing between us and our promise us and our next level lord oh father we destroy it we demolish it in the name of jesus father right now we call in we call in Your 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 power, we call in. Your word, we call in, Lord. The fullness of the power of Your Holy Spirit in our lives to help us, Lord, walk this journey, Lord. Father, I pray that even in the area of our faith, Lord, I pray that You would shake us, Lord. That You would take us to our next level. You would take us. You would give us a revelation, Lord, of the kind of faith that grasps and embraces the fullness of your promises for us, Lord. Father, we pray that you would protect that which you've deposited in our hearts, in our spirits, in our lives this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. May we never be the same again lord may you take us to new heights new revelation lord new realms of the word new realms of the spirit new realms of boldness lord new realms of courage lord even tomorrow in the workplace in school in our businesses lord may there be a shift we pray may there be a shift we pray may something change for the good of your glory the good of your kingdom In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you, Centurion. God bless. Amen.